Hey everyone, Saul Marquez here. Have you launched your podcast already and discovered what a pain it could be to keep up with editing, production, show notes, transcripts, and operations? What if you could turn over the keys to your podcast busy work while you do the fun stuff like expanding your network and taking the industry stage? Let us edit your first episode for free so you can experience the freedom. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket, everyone. Saul Marquez here. Today, I have the privilege of hosting Dr. Lucy Marie Ide. She is the founder and chief health innovator of Remedy, a cloud-based software platform that enables personalized management of health conditions across populations. She brings her diverse experiences in medicine, science, venture capital, and technology to bear in leading Remedy's strategy and vision. Motivated by the belief that we can do so much better as individuals and industry and society, Lucy left clinical medicine to join the ranks of healthcare entrepreneurs who are trying to revolutionize an industry that needs it. So today, we're just excited to have a conversation around remote patient monitoring. What does that mean to the populations we serve and how can it better our care as individuals? Well, here we are, Lucy. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us today and uh, really excited to uh, have this discussion with you. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Absolutely. Before we, we dive into the excellent work that you guys do at Remedy, talk to us a little bit about what motivates you, what, what keeps your fire lit around healthcare. Sure. So, you know, as you said, I'm a clinician by background and um, started down this, you know, career path in, in healthcare really to make an impact on people's lives, um, quality of life, health outcomes. And sort of in that journey, found that there were all these limitations uh, to my ability as a clinician to be successful due to sort of systemic issues in the way we deliver healthcare in the U.S., um, within health systems, extrinsic factors, like the way we're able to bill for healthcare. And, and it was really kind of maddening because it felt like it wasn't right for the clinicians. Um, it wasn't right for the patients. You know, that's really what motivates me, that there's so much potential to both deliver better health outcomes, do so more cost-effectively, and have it be a better experience for all parties that I just decided the best way for me to make an impact on individual patients' lives was to move over to sort of these systemic problems and how technology could help support that improvement. Well, you know, it's it's fantastic to hear, you know, from a clinician, right, directly from a physician that had to deal with a lot of these problems. And uh, today we're faced with those problems still, though I feel like with COVID, we've, we've gotten better, right? We've accelerated some of the things that should have happened a lot faster. But here we are today, right? The the pandemic is, you know, I wouldn't say we're done with it. We're still in the midst of it. Uh, we're about to get a vaccine, but we still like the opioid epidemic is not going to go away. How are we, you know, taking care of these patients? So there's still plenty of opportunity here. Talk to us about what Remedy is doing, Dr. Ide, to really help improve the healthcare ecosystem. Um, so I'm glad you mentioned sort of these various epidemics, right? That the pandemic we're having will have a beginning and an end, we all hope. And as you said, it has greatly accelerated a lot of innovation, the adoption of technology, um, and, and it will have a lasting mark on the industry. But these other epidemics, the opioid epidemic, the chronic disease <laughs> epidemic is not going away anytime soon. And so from a focus area, we decided to focus on chronic diseases is the sort of 
you know, subject area that we felt like we could make an impact. So diabetes, heart disease, obesity, in part because those really both affect the majority, um, the highest percentage of people, but also really drive a lot of the cost in the healthcare system. And you've got to get alignment between outcomes and cost in order to help health systems, you know, make the business case for changing their workflows or adopting new technologies. So that's why that's our focus area. And then, you know, our focus from a sort of programmatic and technology point of view is on improving clinical workflows and sort of improving the availability of the right data and the insights around that data to be presented to the clinician at the right point um, in that patient visit or sort of in that patient journey. Because as you mentioned, there's also been this huge transition to virtualization of care due to COVID that was a path we were going down anyway with telemedicine and remote monitoring that has been accelerated probably, you know, five years in the past nine months. And so it's really the convergence of those two of chronic diseases and then really, you know, data-driven and continuous care of those chronic diseases, all with the end goal of helping clinicians make much more personalized and evidence-based decisions um, around patient care. That's really great. And, uh, you know, we've we've really also, I, I think, taken a step forward in or, or a step away from episodic care to kind of continuum, the continuum of care, right? Taking care of people, not just visiting for visits, just and taking care of people across the continuum of care. So, you know, I feel like there was some touch of that in your response and maybe how you guys do things. But I would love to learn a little bit more about what you guys do different and, and better than what's available today. Well, exactly as you said, today's healthcare system, delivery system is very transactional because it was built around this sort of framework that, you know, clinicians and health systems could only get paid for basically, you know, doing a procedure or having an episode of care, a visit with a patient. And you didn't get paid for doing anything else. You didn't get paid for the follow-up phone calls and for thinking about the patient's case after hours. Um, And the systems, as we move to electronic medical records, were therefore architected to support that use case, right? They were basically built as billing systems to help capture the intervention at a specific, you know, episode of care, you know, evaluation and management of diabetes for 20 minutes gets billed, you know, X amount of money or a, you know, IND drainage gets billed Y amount of money. And that is so conflict with the way healthcare really needs to be delivered, especially for these chronic health conditions, which is a continuous model of care that, you know, acknowledges that patients live with these health conditions every day, not just the two to four days a year when they happen to walk through the doors of the doctor's office. And so is payment models have been slowly and very slowly shifting to acknowledge that and sort of, you know, the pay for outcomes versus fee for service. We've got to adopt the technology that underlies that care delivery as well. And so I think that's where remote monitoring, um, telemedicine trends are really in line with acknowledging that much more continuous model of care delivery. And that's why we are really focused on enabling those workflows around a continuity of care and remote monitoring. Yeah, that's really interesting, Dr. Iden. And, and so, you know, their remote monitoring means a lot to a lot of different people, right? Like, it's just one of those terms that is now so heavy. And, you know, what does it mean specifically, right? Uh, There's remote monitoring of people that say need it because they're getting opioids in the med surge area and we don't want them to code. Or there's the people that that we're talking about chronic diseases. So, So what would you say your niche is? You know, who are you guys focused on? Is it all of them? 
Like, uh, help us understand that. Yeah, you know, as we've gone on this journey um, and we started focused around diabetes care and mm. did a lot of, you know, innovating and iterating around that use case and really understanding what does it take to support sort of the entirety of that patient journey. Um, remote monitoring is, is a big piece of that, right? People with diabetes are asked to test their blood glucose at home, keep track of that, you know, hypothetically for the past 30 years, you know, bring that into their doctor's office so they can be informed by what's happening. And, and, and that really hasn't happened, right? Because it was hugely inconvenient for somebody to keep it in a little notebook and remember to bring it to the doctor and the doctor to have the time or incentive to really even take a look at it and try to figure out the patterns. But I bring that up because remote monitoring, we discovered, is just a piece of it, right? Mm -hmm. and, and by remote monitoring, I generally mean sort of using patient-generated health data. It could be from a medical device, like a blood glucose meter or a blood pressure cuff. It could be, you know, sleep and activity data. It could be non-invasive vital signs data from sensors in the home, right? It could be patient-reported outcomes. All of that that's helping sort of tell the story of what's happening with that patient. And yet, you know, doctors don't really need more data, right? Um, it's, you know, they're inundated with all the evidence that they need to be responsible for reading and all the data that's in the electronic medical record. So we found our job and our niche is really to help synthesize, you know, aggregate that data with the EMR, synthesize the data to drive the insights around it. Mm -hmm. And so that's why clinical decision support became a big part of our platform and our approach as well. I think it's hard to do remote monitoring without really robust clinical decision support built around it because you've got to get efficiency, you know, of the team who's helping monitor these patients. And, you know, those two things have to go together to get that workflow efficiency. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting. And so if you had to focus on where you believe you guys have, have improved outcomes the most or, or even improved business operations or, you know, on business innovation, what would you say that is? Yeah. So I think, again, it's this intersection of improving clinical outcomes while driving workflow efficiency. A client told me that very early on, and I, it didn't fully make sense to me. And they said, you know, even if you can improve our outcomes, if you can make us more efficient, help us manage more patients with the same or fewer resources, that would be a huge success. Mm -hmm. But if you think about it from a health system, their most expensive cost is their people right? It's man hours of nurses, doctors, and pharmacists. And so, you know, that's sort of the holy grail is improving patient outcomes. So we've been able to, you know, move the numbers on a percent of the population with, say, diabetes, who their diabetes is under control or hypertension, where their hypertension is under control. But at the same time, being accountable for making that, you know, as efficient, if not more efficient than the workflow that was there before we started the program. And that that was, I mean, that's something that totally kills providers, right? I mean, it just, are they doing it efficiently? Right. So you've been able to, to move the needle on some of these critical chronic diseases like diabetes. Why is it that you're able to do that? You know, what is it about the platform, your team? that enables you guys to do that? You know, so I think you have to create, you know, this is a, this is a two-person dance of managing chronic diseases between the patient and the clinician. Mm -hmm. And I wholeheartedly believe that, that nobody, there's a lot of talk about self-management and, you know, the quantified self and all of this. I don't think any of us want to be sort of out on our own managing our healthcare without the advice and, and insights from our physician. 
at the same time, it's really hard for physicians to manage these chronic diseases without an educated and engaged patient. And so, you know, I think the secret sauce is sort of through the platform, creating this connectivity and this virtuous feedback cycle of, you know, you onboard a patient to a, you know, program and say, hey, you know, we're going to be able to monitor your blood glucose. We're going to be able to monitor your blood pressure at home and intervene when we see that it's not going well. And that might be that you're not testing it. Hey, Lucy, you know, you haven't taken your blood pressure in a week. (laughs) You know, your doctor told you about the importance of monitoring your blood pressure. But at the same time, you know, there's got to be something in it for the patient, right? I think we ask a lot of patients and sometimes we place a lot of blame on patients with chronic diseases. And so I always think, you know, what's in it for both parties? And if you can align those incentives, that there's something in it for the patient, they feel more supported, they see that they're actually getting better on something that they've struggled with potentially for years. And from the clinician's point of view, they're gratified by improving the outcomes, but equally by being able to go home and have dinner with their family at the end of the night because their oh. workflow has been reasonable. Yeah, yeah, that's really well said. And and so where does the, the, the payer fit into all this? So, you know, it's a great question because at the end of the day, you know, the payers are really the ones who have the most financial incentive to see improvements in management of these chronic diseases. As mm-hmm. I mentioned at the beginning, you know, these are what drive the majority of the payers' cost and represent a lot of the avoidable cost in healthcare. You know, the friction that I have seen in, in healthcare has been this alignment between payers and providers. You know, we've we've seen progress with some of the early ACO models. I think we're going to see more progress as we're sort of entering, you know, value-based care 2.0, because you've got to have, the, the payers have to recognize that the providers are the ones who deliver healthcare. And the providers need to not just feel like payers are sort of sending them nasty letters saying these, you know, patients on your panel aren't well-managed, right? Mm-hmm. They need to get aligned, just like we talked about patients and providers being aligned. The providers and the payers need to be aligned and acknowledge what each brings to the table. Yeah, you know, I, I love that you mentioned that. And it, it, it is that challenge. And you you mentioned it earlier, Dr. I, the dance. And I think that they're the third one at the dance and just trying to figure out that whole picture and the flow is is, is critical. It sounds like you guys are doing a really nice job of providing analytics and data and, and results for them to say, wow, you know, there's there's something here, something we could get excited about. So with all the experience and the work that you guys have done, what would you say is one of the setbacks you've experienced that has been character forming? What was the learning? <laughs> um, so <laughs> I think one of the biggest challenges working in health tech is the really slow adoption of, mm. you know, technology and frankly, anything new in healthcare. And from a clinical point of view, this is one of the, um, you know, foundational issues that I constantly come back to is, you know, there was an Institute of Medicine study looking at how long does it take for new evidence to be adopted um, into everyday practice? And it was 17 years, Right. So a new drug that shows benefit, a new medical device, a new protocol. Um, We're just not very good at adopting new evidence in clinical practice. And I think sometimes that can be for good reason, right? That that clinicians are risk averse because, you know, we're talking about people's health and people's lives. But I think it is misapplied to the adoption Mm -hmm. of new technology. That sort of that risk framework in clinical medicine bleeds over into, oh my gosh, could we possibly purchase this cloud-based software? We need to have, you know, 85 people in the health system look at it and sign off. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so healthcare's got to catch up to other industries in terms of adoption cycles around technology. And that's, that is frustrating and character building when you're in the industry. 
Yeah. And, you know, we, we all go through it. And, you know, Dr. Ide, obviously, you know, as a, as a tech company and, and healthcare, you're going through it. Listeners, you go through it. But it's, it's having that, that clarity in how you deliver your message, how you deliver your solution that gets you past that. And, and obviously, uh, Dr. Ide's team at Remedy is doing a, a fantastic job of that. What are you most excited about today? You know, in the, in the very difficult year that has been 2020, I think one of the personally most exciting things to me is that every American almost every day for the past, you know, nine months has been thinking about and talking about medicine and science and public health in a way that the general public has never thought about those topics. That's really exciting to me um, because not only is it accelerating, you know, adoption of technology, but there's data out showing that, you know, applications to med school, applications to master's programs in public health or, you know, through the roof. Now, Dr. Fauci is everybody's, you know, <laughs> role model. Um, and I'm excited about that because we have all these new minds coming into the industry, wanting to make an impact, understanding how important medicine um, and science and public health are for all of our daily lives. And I think there will be a lasting impact of um, that focus. Well said. It is exciting. And we are seeing a lot more people. Gosh, I mean, you know, on the podcast, we've just had so many people coming from even different industries, you know, finance and, and retail, trying to say, hey, how can we do our best here to, to make this better? It affects all of us. I had one, one guest, Dr. I'd say, you're in business, but you're in a healthcare business. Like, you know, even if you're not in healthcare, you know, the biggest spend that you have aside from labor is your healthcare costs. So if you're not becoming a healthcare expert, that you're, you're missing it. You're missing it. Um, and so, yeah, I, I love what you said about that. It is becoming the centerpiece. It is the centerpiece. You know, even in our holiday cards this year, we're writing, have a healthy new year, you know, <laughs> because- right. It's the center and it's it's so important. So I, I couldn't have said it better. And so when you think about the next chapter for Remedy and our and our healthcare audience here today, what closing thoughts would you give us? And you know, what are you guys thinking about? What should be what should we be walking away with here? Um you know, I think as, as we look forward to the next year and I think about sort of lessons learned from this year um in this giant healthcare experiment we've all lived through is sort of the importance of, of just continuing to make progress and starting, right? And I think about the amazing feat of the vaccine, um, you know, going from novel virus to vaccines delivered within the same calendar year. And that's because a whole bunch of scientists just started working on that, not knowing if they would be successful, not knowing what was going to happen with this virus, probably having no idea how impactful the virus was going to be. But they started day one, you know, at the beginning of 2020. And I think the same is true of technology. You know, all of you out there who have ideas of ways that could improve the system and you're not really sure if it's the right idea or the best idea, like just start down a path. You'll be wrong on some things. You'll be right on others. You'll continue to iterate on it. But, you know, you'll never come up with that next great breakthrough idea if, if you don't take the first step. I think that's so awesome. Very inspiring uh, closing thought there, Dr. Ide. And, and, you know, and I would even take it a step further too and say, just start implementing stuff like what you guys offer, <laughs> right? It's like, we say that to clients all the time. We'll say, you know, just start somewhere. It start with a small group of doctors, a small group of patients. Um, we'll collectively learn together how this works in your system. 
We'll make adjustments to the workflow, but you know, we'll never know how what kind of impact it can have if we don't start. Well, if you're listening to this, I think uh, we've given you some nudges. Uh, <laughs> so, so we we really hope that you take us up on that. Check out Remedy. They're at remedy.com. You can also go to outcomesrocket.health, type in Remedy, that's R-I-M-I-D-I. You'll see the full transcript with the show notes, links on how to get in touch with Dr. Ide and the team there. But, you know, I actually didn't ask you, uh, Dr. Ide, what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you or your team? Website's great, as you said, or folks can reach out to me on LinkedIn or Twitter, and I'm at Lucien Ide on both. Outstanding. There you have it, folks. Make sure to connect. And Dr. Ide, really appreciate you uh, spending some time with us today. This has been a really, really fascinating discussion. Thanks and have a healthy new year. (laughs) Thank you. You too. Hey, Outcomes Rocket listeners. Saul Marquez here. I get what a phenomenal asset a podcast could be for your business and also how frustrating it is to navigate editing and production, monetization, and achieving the ROI you're looking for. Technical busy work shouldn't stop you from getting your genius into the world, though. You should be able to build your brand easily with a professional podcast that gets attention. A patched up podcast could ruin your business. Let us do the technical busy work behind the scenes while you share your genius on the mic and take the industry stage. Visit smoothpodcasting.com to learn more. That's smoothpodcasting.com to learn more.